Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. Be a bit adventurous. Look for uh, places that are full of local people, not just uh, places uh, full of pilgrims. That's this week's guest, Maria Seco. We'll get to Maria in just a moment, but first... This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago or the way of St. James. It's a blessing having the opportunity to talk to you each week. Blessings are a form of communication of the spirit. The spirit is our essence. Our essence is our self, our purpose, our living and loving, our life, this life. This podcast is a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago or the way of St. James. James was one of Christ's apostles, and James was a humble fisherman. Christ urged him to join his pilgrimage to be a fisher of souls. James travelled to Spain to spread Christ's teaching after Jesus' death, and he returned to the Holy Land and was beheaded by King Herod, and James was the very first martyr. His remains are interred in the cathedral in the old city in Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain. Santiago de Compostela translates as St. James under a field of stars, the resting place of Santiago or St. James. Most pilgrims on the Camino make their way to the cathedral to pay their respects to the great saint. They walk under the blessing of St. James, collecting stamps in a credential along the way to show the pilgrims' office in Santiago how far they've walked. They also outline their intention. Was it a spiritual or religious pursuit or an adventure? It doesn't matter why you walked, it matters only to you. But I guarantee you, if you haven't walked before, you will have one of the journeys of your life. And if you are thinking of walking, do it. Do your training, do your reading, do your praying, do your self-preparation. Many of us walk to right wrongs. The wrongs are like your intention. They matter only to you. That's why the walk and the opportunity for penance or renewal is such a personal joy. It's been such a tough year, or 18 months, really. But I saw a great quote this week. It is sometimes attributed to the British author C.S. Lewis, but that's been disputed. I don't mind, I love it. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. I wonder if you've had a chance to reflect on my chat with Amy Weiser from last week. Amy felt she'd had high hopes of of great change in her life, but that change failed to happen on her return. She felt she perhaps hadn't found what she was looking for. I'm reminded again of the three stages of the Camino, the interpretation of the Camino we've heard so many times here before. And I think it's really important to remember when we consider this week's quote, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. The Camino can be divided into three stages of journey and influence. The first, from St. Jean-Pied-de-Port to Burgos, is about adjusting to the physical challenge of the Camino, about your body getting fitter. The second stage, from Burgos to Leon, is largely made up of the Meseta. It's a relentless landscape, barren and stark. We're provided the opportunity to cast aside the demons of the mind, the heartache, the emotions that plague us. We're left alone with our thoughts, As the landscape stretches out around us, so does the opportunity to dive deeper into ourselves. The Meseta is about your soul dealing with your life. Once we leave Leon, we're on the third and final stage of the journey of the heart and mind. 
It's a chance to rejoice in the new you. The landscape of Galicia provides the perfect backdrop for the renewed you. The rolling hills and mist-covered mountains are a tonic for the journey you've taken to date. The relentless step-by-step across the Canino Frances. Your journey of discovery is almost over. Galicia is the stage set where a great miracle occurs. Obradoro Square in Santiago de Compostela swells with pilgrims who have arrived that day or are returning to the square to welcome pilgrims with whom they have shared the Camino in the weeks before. There are tears, hugs of joy, songs are sung, dreams are dreamed, lives are transformed. Well, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. This journey is such an important opportunity. Why not make the most of it? I don't think I've ever told you about the night I spent in Sahun in 2016. I caught a train from Madrid to Leon and then a second train to Sahun. I helped a, a nun carry her bags from the train to the platform and asked if she could perhaps point me in the direction of the Camino. She said, you're on the Camino. Later that night at Mass in the Benedictine convent, we prayed and shared our hopes and dreams. That same nun handed me a small card with a pilgrim's prayer on it and I kept that card in my wallet every day until my wallet was stolen back in 2018. I didn't mind losing the credit cards and driver's licence, but I was devastated to lose that little prayer. Later, as we ate our pilgrim's meal, I was joined by a couple from the Netherlands, Anna and Nicholas. Anna had cancer and was walking from Rotterdam to Santiago as one last adventure before beginning her cancer journey, her final journey. And Nicholas was walking to keep her company. He and I sat on the roof of the convent late into the night, well after curfew, and he he told me to enjoy the journey I was about to undertake, but more than anything, to enjoy the Spanish culture. Drink it in, he said. He told me, learn the language, sing the songs, remember the stories, Dan, learn the hymns. You are here, he said, to be part of the Camino. To truly experience it, you must embrace it. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. A few days later, I was sitting in the courtyard of Albergue Vieira in St. Michael del Camino, and I thought of what Nicholas had said. I was lying in a hammock when this drifted across the courtyard. It was a group of Spanish pilgrims. They sang all afternoon. Y a tu pueblo el azar, otra vez, el verano siguiente. El otoño duró lo que tarda en llegar el invierno. Y a tu pueblo el azar, otra vez, el verano siguiente. Me llevó ya... Later that night I was able to repay the favour. We sang until lights out. 
song after song, and I took that Spanish song with me. I learned bits and pieces of the local language to help on my journey. And it's a delight to be able to say, Buenos dias, good morning, Buenos tardes, a little later, and to say good night, Buenos noches. And as you'll hear, as part of this week's episode, it's worth the effort. It's worth taking the time to make a difference or to be the difference and to provide an opportunity for the difference in you. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. My guest this week is the Spanish pilgrim and teacher, Maria Sico. This is a great story, an inspirational story. Maria's on the line from the Spanish city of Pontevedra. Welcome, pilgrim. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Pontevedra is about, I guess, an hour south of Santiago de Compostela. Is it on one of the Camino trails? Uh, yeah, it is actually on the Portuguese one, yeah. Ah, okay. It's around three days from uh, walking from uh, Santiago. Okay, yeah. Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually from Pontevedra. I'm living here now again, but I was uh, living in Ireland for around 15 years. Um, so... I, I did train as an English teacher, actually, and then I went to Ireland to improve my English, and I had to teach Spanish there, and I decided I, I loved that better than teaching English. So I did a bit of retraining, and I was teaching there for all uh, that time. And um, and actually, that's where the idea for uh, teaching Spanish to pilgrims um, started forming, because um, the motivation for many people to join the courses was to walk the Camino. So uh, some of them had already walked and uh, with no Spanish at all. And at some point, they, you know, they, they needed the language and they were mm. frustrated because they couldn't communicate. And some others were planning their first uh, Camino and they wanted to learn a little bit. So that, that was the, the seed of the idea. And then, anyway, I went back uh, home um, around maybe it's about five years now. So I've been back in Pontevedra for around five years and yeah, still teaching Spanish, and uh, I'm, I'm walking a little bit of the Camino. Yeah, and you teach conversational Spanish so that pilgrims can communicate with the locals. And yes. It's very important to try, isn't it, to try to speak some Spanish? Yeah, yes, I think so. I mean, you don't need to be, like, super fluent, but at least, you know, to make the effort... I think it, it really makes a difference because people will be more welcoming. They will respond to you much better. They will treat you better if they see that you are at least making the effort to to talk. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to worry too much about making, you know, grammatical errors, things like that. But at least at least make the effort. Yeah, I think I think it is important. And, and people who have tried, they will tell you that they notice the difference, that, you know, the, the people's um, reaction to them, their response was much better than if you just go and you don't speak at, at all, you don't yeah. even make an effort to say even a couple of basic words. I know um, 
in Alberghe Vieira in San Michael del Camino, just a day outside of Leon. And I, my Spanish is dreadful. And I said, uh, una cama para pasar el noche, por favor. I think a, a bed for the night, please. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the hospitalera said to me, that is the worst Spanish I think I've ever heard. And we both laughed. <laughs> but she said, but thank you very much for trying. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. And for the rest of the day, even if I came in to get a beer or I came in to, to, have, to talk to her, she made me speak in Spanish. And she would say, no, 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 you, you must talk more in Spanish. And so over the course of the, the next couple of days, I walked with some other people and, and we all, they were, they were Spanish people and they were all encouraging me and saying, you know, while you're walking, mm-hmm. you, you ought to learn by the street signs and the advertisements and, you know, newspaper headlines and stuff. And so you you can keep learning all the time. And I think it it makes the whole experience much more enjoyable, not least of all because the locals appreciate the effort too. Yeah. Most people know about the Camino Frances and it's the most popular uh, and maybe there it's easier to find uh, English speakers. Uh, but if you walk uh, some other uh, Camino, maybe you won't. There will be days when you won't find uh, English speakers. Uh, so, you know, it's it's more of a necessity there. It did happen to me, for instance, in uh, when I was walking the Camino Inglés, and I was uh, talking to the owner of, um, well, it had like a um, pension and restaurant. And um, we were talking about this and about people who come and they don't speak a word of uh, Spanish. Mm. And she said that, well, they don't speak any English or, you know, any, any foreign language. And she said sometimes it's really difficult uh, for them to communicate with with their um, customers. There have been cases, she said, where she actually had to take people into the kitchen to show them what the food was because they were not able to, you know, make each other understood. The person didn't know what food was on the menu and she wasn't able to explain and she had to bring this person into imagine. I mean, she did it and these people in this place, they were really nice, really helpful, Mm. but she said it was frustrating for her as a business owner. So, so people, yeah, they will appreciate it. And, and yeah, on other Caminos that are not the Frances, I think this this um, scenario is more likely to happen when the business owners, um, you know, just the yeah. people in general, they don't speak English or not that much. Yeah. And you say that you teach Spanish so the pilgrims can understand what's going on and feel connected. Mm-hmm. And feeling connected mm-hmm. is very important too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, it's, a, it's why, I mean, okay, fine, you do the Camino for yourself, for your own, you know, um, I don't know, for yourself. But yeah. but also I think it's very important. I mean, you, you're in another uh, country, it's important to, you know, learn, find out, know what's going on around you. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, it just opens your mind so much more. And 
And that's another thing that I've, I've seen, for instance, in, you know, comments in Facebook groups or sometimes people, they come to Spain with their own preconceived ideas about Spain, their own, if you want to call it prejudice, and, uh, and, and they go back with the same ideas because they, they don't have a clue what is going on around them. So they interpret everything that they see to fit that idea that they have of Spain that in many cases is not correct. Uh, so they don't, they, you know, they don't learn anything in that in that respect. So I think they're missing a great opportunity to learn about the country, change wrong ideas that they have about the country or the people in Spain. Um, and it, you know, I think mm, speaking a bit of the language would help with that. But yeah. Yeah. If you don't, you're missing that opportunity. Yeah, and and it. it helps you to enjoy a more meaningful experience too. Yes. Which yeah, is which yeah. is why we're there, right? That's really important. Exactly, exactly. It's just you're you're just missing part of the experience. You're not getting everything that you could get from it. Yeah, I'd love that um in I read where you said on your Facebook page, most importantly you don't need to worry about getting lost <laughs> without mm-hmm. being asked able to ask for directions. That's really important. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, um, I don't know, I think people are, are really missing, you know, an opportunity. It's sad when, when someone asks, um, like on forums and on Facebook, do you need Spanish? Should I learn a bit of Spanish before I go? And there's there are always people who answer, ah, no, it's okay, uh, you know, a smile goes a long way, you don't need a word of Spanish. And I think it's sad, really, because you're you're missing um, you're missing an opportunity. And there might be cases where you actually do need it. You know, if you come into some some trouble or you, you get lost or you you have maybe some health issue that you need uh, help with. I don't know that you know things yeah. could go wrong. Yeah. Uh, so you're missing yeah you're missing an opportunity. You might feel lonely sometimes because there's nobody around you that day that speaks English, so you can't communicate with anyone. And okay, we know Google Translate can help, but I mean, it can be the translations you get can be, let's say, interesting sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the best. So yeah. Yeah, that's right. You can't always rely on Google Translate. You can't always rely on having signal either. That's one of the things I found sometimes when you need it most, you don't have the signal. And you. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you say that before we say that we don't have time to master the language before we head to the Camino, even a week of learning Spanish can make a difference to your Camino. Just a week. Yeah, exactly. That's that's my point. You know, you don't need to master the language. You don't need to be super fluent, but at least make the effort to just learn a few basic things, and, and that will, you know, that will go a long way. And uh, and people will encourage you if you try, as you as you said. You know, it was your experience. People yeah. will encourage you to learn more. 
and it would just make the experience uh, better, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you said when you're just talking about Google Translate before, in the course of your research, you found the generic books and apps that waste a lot of time teaching weird sentences that you wouldn't be able to use. My dog has a duck. Or a red, a red shirt is not blue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Mi, mi perro tiene un pato. Uh, <laughs> my dog has a dog. Yeah, no, and th- those, are, those, are, those are real examples I've come across, you know, in my own, uh, obviously, learning all the languages. But, yeah, those are real examples. So, I mean, why, I mean, I, I don't know. Why would you need to learn those things? Yes. <laughs> and, you know... Um, how important, though, is pronunciation? I'd say it's important because um, sometimes you might know the word, but if you are mispronouncing it, maybe people won't understand you. So let's say, for instance, I'm a musician and I'd like to learn certain words. Mm -hmm. Can you design a program to suit me? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, everything can be, yeah, um, kind of adapted to what you need. Yeah, that's, uh, that's no problem at all, yeah. Yeah, and when you, you, you started by saying um, that you'd spent some time, 15 years, I think you said, in Ireland, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you trained to be an English teacher, but then you won a scholarship to go to Ireland. What did you mm-hmm. make of Ireland? I don't know. It was uh, it was interesting, and I have to say, Ireland changed a lot in those uh, fifteen years um, I was there. Uh, first, I must say, it was a bit of a shock because I mean, you might think, okay, we're all kind of in Europe, so you know, things should be more or less the same. Yeah. Well, I found it quite uh, different. And so some things were, I don't know, even a bit shocking from, you know, my Spanish uh, perspective. I was I, I was in a school, uh, in a primary school. So, for instance, difference, you know, in the, the school system um, were well, obviously the first thing I noticed. Um, like, for instance, you know, in Ireland... Uh, Kids wear uniforms to school. In Spain, uniforms are not, uh, unless you go to a private school, uh, there there are no school uniforms. Um, There's also in Ireland, uh, especially in secondary school, it's very normal for schools to be all boys, all girls. Right. That doesn't happen in Spain. I mean, that that's nobody would even, you know, it's it's not something that people would want. Um, it's considered even like I would say old-fashioned. And yeah. for instance, you know, like people have this idea of Spain as a very a religious, very Catholic um, country. Yeah. And w- while I was in Ireland, I actually got the impression that may- maybe, uh, let's say. In Ireland, maybe people go to church less, but I would say they are actually more uh, Catholic uh, than in Spain. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I didn't know people had this idea that as, of Spain as such a religious um, place. 
I don't think it's, it, it, you know, fits the reality today. Um, and I, I, yeah, just discovered that other places like Ireland, for instance, although in, on the surface it might not look uh, like that, but when you see, you know, people's way of thinking and yeah. actions, and they're actually more... Um, more religious or more more Catholic, more influenced by uh, certain um, uh, Catholic uh, things than than in Spain. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it made me see you know Spain from a different perspective too. Yeah, and then so after fifteen years, you came back. What was it like coming mm-hmm. home after all that time? Yeah, it's it's all yeah. It's a bit, uh, in a way, it's, uh, okay, it's, it's easy because, you know, I went actually back to my hometown. Uh, but things have changed a lot in there too. So in those 15 years, so you go back to the same place, but it's not the same place. Yeah. Um, and also when you're away for such a long time, you kind of lose contact with a lot of people. So, yeah, it, it was a bit, uh, I mean, it was okay. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm happy that I came back. I don't regret the decision. But at the same time, you know, it's... It's kind of strange, also, and it's a bit of a shock. It's all—it's it's, it's almost again like going to another foreign country because things have been changing while you were not there. So you have yeah. this idea of how things were 15 years ago. Yeah, but now now you're back and and teaching, and it must be terrific to to see the look on students' faces if the first time they they use a foreign language that they perhaps meet someone that's spanish speaking oh, and they, yes. they they understood and understand the reply what that must be priceless what a joy yes that's yeah that to me that's the best yeah and and that's also why i mean a lot of um teachers i'm finding a lot of language teachers they they're not really fond of teaching beginners um, I love teaching beginners, and I think that's one of the reasons because you know when you you don't know anything about this other language, and then you learn even a few things, and yeah, that feeling, that look on people's faces when they try it for the first time, and as you said, people understand them mm. and they can understand. I mean, that's to me, it's priceless. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Now you you mentioned um, that you live. Um, in Pontevedra, which is on the Camino, what's it like to live on the Camino? Do you do you walk it often, or do you walk that same stretch into Santiago often? Yeah, I there is one stretch. I have, I can actually see the Camino from my house. Wow. <laughs> So, so I can actually sometimes, if I, you know, early in the morning, look out the window and I can see the pilgrims, uh, wow. you know, leaving in the morning. So that's, uh, yeah, that that's cool. And I do, yes, we do. There's a stretch from my house, obviously, that you know I do quite often. Uh, it's up to. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the Camino Portugués, but you know there's a place where um, where the the Camino splits. You can continue on the well, the, let's call it the traditional uh, Portuguese uh, Camino, and or you can take the spiritual uh, variant. So yeah, I walk up to the split uh, 
quite often. So, How and also that this one, this one part of this spiritual uh, variant is called the, in English, the root of uh, stone and water, which is very, very beautiful. I mean, I think it's probably one of the most beautiful place, places in in all of the Caminos. So we sometimes go up there. We drive there and then we we walk that um, that route there. Um, so yeah, or or there's some other day, for instance, we just took a train to Redondera, which mm. is the the town before Pontevedra, and just walked back home. So one one of the stages of the Camino Portugués. Um, now recently, now this summer, I walked from Pontevedra to the next uh, town, which is Caldas the Reis. Um, th- this is was part of um, um, well, something that was started last year on the Camino Frances. Um, um, some pilgrims on the Camino Frances started a special uh, pilgrimage to honor, remember all the people who uh, died of COVID. Right. So they were they were carrying a backpack along the Camino Frances, just on on relay. So whoever was available uh, each day could carry the backpack for for a stage or for part of a stage. So a couple of uh, people um, decided to do the same on the on the Portuguese. So well, they got organized and they started from Porto in Portugal. And so I, I got to walk, I did actually walk last year, the same stage from Pontevedra to Caldas, and this year again. And, and it was such a different experience. Last year, there was nobody on the Camino because, mm. you know, yeah. most places were still closed. Yeah. Uh, so there were no pilgrims. It was just us. There was, I don't know, think five of us that walked that day together with the backpack. Um, and the bars, cafes were all closed. We didn't see any other pilgrim at all. And this year, oh my God, it was so different. We met loads of pilgrims, just people walking on their own, people walking in groups, a father and a daughter, uh, a small child, um, so many people. And uh, people from Spain, people from from Poland. I think there was a group from Poland. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So many. It was such a different um, experience. So yeah, uh, you know, it's walking, if not a full Camino, not making it to Santiago, but walking on the Camino, definitely, yes, it's something that uh, I do quite often. When you're not walking, you like to see and greet pilgrims and give them a buen camino as they walk past and perhaps you might even help the odd pilgrim if they look a bit lost. Yeah, yeah, I've had I helped a few that looked quite lost. <laughs> <laughs> Ponte Vedra is a beautiful um, city, um, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, what's one tip you would give to pilgrims to make their life easier? To make their life easier? Well, of course, learn a bit of Spanish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 
do a bit of training because sometimes yeah. I think people, you know, um, struggle because they haven't trained at all. And, and then, yeah, you start running into problems. Um, yeah, I would say probably. Yeah. 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 I, I, I liked when I read, I was doing a bit of research and I saw on your Facebook page that you, when you travel, you say you like to learn about the local culture, the history and the customs. And the Camino mm-hmm. is the ideal opportunity to do that. You're walking across the mm-hmm. country away from the most, exactly. of, away from most of those touristy kind of places and passing through the cities and smaller towns and villages. I've called it here before slow tourism. And you could, as you say, simply walk inside your bubble, but learning a little bit of the language opens it up so much more. Yeah, and you, you go through towns and sometimes maybe there's a festival in town, um, but you don't really know what they're celebrating or why because, you know, you can't ask or you don't know what's, what's going on. So, you know, it's sad. And, well, you know, part of the Camino, the the... The, the let's say the, the spiritual part or religious if you are religious it's it's important and the you know time to be with yourself and all that but um but the you know the getting to know about the place where you are that's that's important too. yeah yeah and why not take the opportunity to learn i think about the culture and and really immerse yourself in it because when you get home, it might not be a while until you're back. Well, we're certainly not going anywhere in Australia yeah, at the exactly. moment. We're, we're trapped here. And you, you said that you, Galicia, you've now been home five years. Um, tell us something that I, I should keep an eye out for. What's something in Galicia, perhaps food, or one of the delicacies you talk about? Oh, yes, food, yes, food. Galicia has a reputation for good food. Um, I think it's it's well-deserved. Uh, it's actually well-known for its seafood. Ah. So if you get the chance to try the seafood, you know, if you have a bit of extra cash, uh, treat yourself to some seafood. I mean, most people, I think, will at least try the octopus, which is probably yeah, one of our most typical, um, well-known dishes. Uh, but apart from octopus, there's there's a lot of seafood there to to, to try. So yeah, I, I would I would encourage people to yeah go away a bit from the pilgrim's menu, which, you know, and sometimes people complain, oh, the food is awful and this is boring, always the same. So people go, you know, go away, leave the, forget about the pilgrim's, um, pilgrim's menu for, you know, uh, a day or two and, and try something else because I think that's, you know, that's another thing, you know, you're in the country, and you're not trying the local um, the, the local food. You're just sticking to to the pilgrims menu, which I mean I can understand that people are on a budget and the pilgrims menu is cheap. But then you know you you get what you pay for. So uh, you just be a bit adventurous. Look for. Uh, places that are full of local people, not just uh, places uh, full of pilgrims, and uh, and try some of the local dishes. 
Yeah. They're a bit, uh, adventurous. Yeah, boy. I can't wait to get back to try some of the local seafood. <laughs> Look, I think it's a fabulous idea, Maria. It's um, learn a little bit of the language, learn a bit of the culture and appreciate the, the opportunity that you've been given and, and make the most of it. I'm more than pleased and, and happy to point people toward your Facebook page and they can get in touch with you there and you teach pilgrims the local language so that they can make the most of their Camino. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. And let me say, buen Camino. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you for having me. It has been a pleasure talking to you, Dan. My guest this week was Maria Seco. And Maria wrote on her website, SpanishForTheCamino.com. When I travel, I like to learn about the local culture, history, customs. And the Camino is the ideal opportunity to do that. You are walking across the country away from the most touristy places, passing through some cities and a, a lot of smaller towns and villages. You could simply walk inside your own bubble, but the Camino becomes a truly transforming experience when you embrace the local customs, talk to people, not fellow pilgrims exclusively, and ask questions. I'd love to share my passion for the Camino and the Spanish language with you so your Camino becomes a discovery of local customs, new friends, and Galician delicacies. <laughs> Remember my quote this week? Sometimes attributed to C.S. Lewis, but that's debated. I don't mind, I just love it. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. This journey is such an important opportunity. Why not make the most of it? I think back to Anna and Nicholas, my pilgrim friends in Sahun. Nicholas's advice to drink the culture, learn the language, sing the songs. Remember the stories, Dan, he said. Learn the hymns. You are here, he said, to be part of the Camino. To truly experience it, you must embrace it. To be the difference. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Gracias. Gracias por su compañía nuevamente esta semana. Hasta la semana que viene. Soy Dan Mullins. Buen camino. Y a tu pueblo el azar, otra vez, el verano siguiente. Y a tu pueblo el azar, otra vez, el verano siguiente. El otoño duró lo que tarda en llegar el invierno. Y a tu pueblo el azar, otra vez, el verano siguiente.